Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Do you want to mention Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more? Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. All April, enjoy a free two-liter Coke product with the purchase of any two large pizzas. Order online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. Brandon Escott, by the way, goes with his favorite football. I don't know if it's his favorite football team anymore, but uh, the Texan. He's going to go with the uh, Texan. So there you have it. Reed Wilkins will have inside sports tonight. Guests will include Cam Moon, along with Calgary-based uh, media personality Pat Steinberg, and a goaltender that's going to go in the first round of the NHL draft this year, Sebastian Kosa. We will have... Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now, along with Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, and Hart Levine from Puckpedia will be making an appearance on tomorrow's show as well. All right. Uh, we are pleased to be joined on the line right now by former Edmonton Oiler, once the heavyweight champion of the National Hockey League, current Montreal-based media personality. We welcome back to the show the big man himself, George LaRock. Hello, George. How are you? Awesome, Bob. How's everything on your side? Good. I'm going to make it more awesome for you. Okay? okay. We're going to put you on hold here. We got something, your finest, most favorite moment as a uh, NHL player. The next two voices you will hear will be Rod Phillips and Morley Scott. Good play to Devereaux. Now to down the shots, a rebound. Larac scores! George Larac, and it's a 1-0 hockey game. Fourth goal of the year for Big George. He's going hard to the net. Top of the slot and rolls it in. It's loose in front, and here's Hammer looking up. He scores! It hit Larac, and it's a 2-1 
in the same position he was for the goal in the first period in the front of the net. This time, though, instead of going for a rebound, he's actually with the puck rolling into Los Angeles territory. Devereaux trying to pick it up, got it to Lorac in front. Lorac by himself. He scores! Hat-trick, George Lorac! Hat-trick, George Lorac! And they're going wild! Ever since he got his second goal, every time he goes near the puck, they've been oohing and on, and now they're throwing those chapeaus all over the place as George Lorac is being mobbed at the bench, and what a great move he made in close on Fassay as he just made a great deke, and I'll tell you what, we got 30, 40 hats on the ice here. You never see this in Edmonton. Hats are expensive. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, and George almost did an end-to-end -end celebration. He is excited, and who can blame him? His first NHL hat trick, Big George scoring. His hat trick goal of the game. Sixth on the year, an 11-point, scored by number 27, George Lorraine. Do you smell what the Rock is cooking? Oh, wow. Uh, that is a trip down memory lane. George LaRock joining us right now. George, was that your finest moment as an NHL player? Well, yeah. You know, that game, you know what's crazy with this game is that uh, if you want to call it George LaRock hat trick, you also have to have a fight in it. And I, I fought Steve McKenna in that game also. And uh, I, I remember when it was 2 nothing, Bob, and uh, they pulled the goalie out. I remember the people in the stand, they were chanting my name to go for the empty netter. Uh, Kevin Lowe gave me a tap in the back. He's like, sorry, Josh, I can't put you out there. I got to put the defensive unit out there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, obviously I understood. So Yanni Ninema scored an empty netter. Stefan Spizek goes back in the net, and there's 25 seconds left in the game. So I never thought I was going to score when the goalie's back on and there's 25 seconds left in the game. That's why I went nuts when I scored. I couldn't believe that this happened. And then, you know, in, in the third goal, when uh, Jim Dowd makes me that pass and I'm in front of Aki Bird and I do a spinorama in front of him, I've tried to do this move so many other times and I was never able to keep the puck. That time it worked something, the stars were aligned, and I did a back and then I scored. And that's the only time ever in my NHL career that I skated as fast as McDavid when I skated uh, <laughs> to, to the bench, man, to celebrate it. And it was awesome. And, and, you know, Wayne called after the game to say, congrats, you need 49 more to break my record. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was unreal. And you know what, Bob, was even, what was even crazier than that? When, when uh, after the game, I did interviews for, like, more than an hour, okay, with all the media, everything, it, it was nuts. It was crazy. And... The next day, because I kept my equipment for so long, the hot cold, I had back spasm. So I didn't practice. So the guys, they're looking at me in the training room. They're like, yeah, he scores a hat trick. He's too good to practice. Guys were giving it to me because I didn't <laughs> practice the next day because my back, my back was like, I had spasm. I couldn't move. So, But uh, it was an awesome moment. And I still have the posters that Power 92. They walked to the parking lot and all the, the, the fans that they were signing on your first hat trick, they were signing congratulating, congratulating message on, on, on the board that I still have. And uh, it, it was awesome. It's something that I'll never forget. You know, like, I did one in junior hockey, but to get that done in the NHL in front of your fans that you love, it, it was just awesome. George, I and was you know, working... You, and, you know, and, and you know what else, Bob, last thing I forgot to say is that, uh, you know, when you want one, you always want more than one, right? 
Well, I have to say that I, I, I blew a NHL hat trick eight more times because I had eight two goals game that I had another chance to get it and I didn't do it. So yeah. that to me is disappointing too because you always want more. I was uh, doing uh, stats that night. Bob Miller, the LA Kings with Jimmy Fox. And I, I admit, for first of all, you should mention that when Steve McKenna fought you, didn't you bury Aki Berg with a hit? Like, yeah. you just, you just crushed Aki Berg. And McKenna yeah. just looked at you, and he was like 6'7 or 6'8 himself. Yeah, yeah he was 6'8, yeah. Yeah, and he just, he, you could see him roll. He's like, oh, no, I got to go fight George. So he went right over to you. You threw him around pretty easily. But I remember, you know, I'm I'm up there, up top, uh, and the building was much smaller, you know, obviously, uh, Rexall Place than Rogers Place, and and I'm sitting next to the L.A. guys, and when you got that goal, I did a little fist pump underneath the, so they couldn't see it, and and uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob was kind of laugh, like, like Jimmy, even Jimmy Fox thought it was a pretty cool moment, like you know, like the visiting broadcasters thought it was awesome, and your uh, your end to end rush, and, and people were just stoked that night in the building, like it was, but you know, and you mentioned Kevin Lowe, and I know you love playing for Kevin Lowe when he coached the team. Yeah, you, you know. Usually coach, you know, coaches, like, they're really careful who they're yelling at and how they coach it because they yell at you superstars and, uh, you know, they're not going to play and you need them to win and guys that make a lot of money, you don't want to irritate the manager and all that stuff. Kevin wasn't like that. He didn't care how much money you made. He didn't care who you were, the number in the back of your sweater. You have to play, man. He was playing the gamers. And that's because that's all he was. That's how Kevin played. He coached like he played. And that's why, like, our team, we had the best effort every game because we had to play with the intensity that, that Kevin had because he didn't play. He didn't care. And that's why I played so much that year. With Jim Dowd and Boy Devro, we played sometimes like 13, 14 minutes a night. It was awesome because we're always in offensive zone, and it was rewarding, uh, rewarding us with giving us more ice time. And it was awesome, and we were playing so much. And it was an awesome year that we've had. And, you know, Kevin, like, every time you worked hard, you were going back out there. You knew you knew we'd reward you, and that's how he was as a coach, and I loved it. Uh, what I remember about Kevin, George, I know I've told you the story before. Guy Godelski is now the head coach at Penn State. We were playing for Stu McGregor, who for years was the Oilers' head amateur scout. We were playing Mitchell Double-A, and we had a practice one day at Northlands, and the Oilers were on before us. And we were watching Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe in the corner in a compete drill. And they were cross-checking each other and slashing each other. And we were like, is this what it takes to be in the NHL? Like, these guys are in first place. Like, they got the best team in the West, and they're just hammering each other. But that's how Kevin was. He didn't care, did he? Yeah, well, you know, I could tell you that my first year in Edmonton, when Kevin was an extra defenseman, and I would do drills with him, like in the corners, one-on-one, my God, he would hit me with a stick so much, I hated it. And, you know, I, I, and so many times I would just wanted to drop him, just jump on his face. And he would just look at me. And I knew if I did that, he would give me a lumber right in my teeth. Like, he wasn't afraid. Because I, yeah, I do extra with him all the time. And it was like, every time I, I, I go past him or whatever, I'd feel a stick. All the, he always whacked me. Always, like, all the time. He was nuts. 
I could just imagine how it was to play against him, how hard it must have been because, man, it, it sure was tough. And, and even as a player sometimes, in, in exhibition, uh, in, um, in actually uh, practice, optional practice, and we do three on three, sometimes he would play. Even on that, he would watch you and stuff. Like, it was crazy, man. But you know what? He was a tough coach, but he was a fair coach. And yeah. even though we were, we were always, um, always battling against teams that had more money than we did, because we had more heart, it was compensating, com- compensating, compensating the fact that we didn't have as much money, but more heart means that we could play as big as any big teams that were out there. Uh, George, it's interesting. The last couple nights, Nathan McKinnon last night got upset, fired a helmet at uh, Connor Garland, Connor McDavid. He kind of flicked an elbow. I mean, that wasn't an elbow like when you played. Um, I, I don't know if you remember when, when remember Pavel Bure? Uh, what's that? Bob, Bob, hold on. McDavid should have had a, at least one game suspension. Really? That. Tell me why. Oh, because if Cassian did that to anyone, he'd have, he'd have five games. If Tom Wilson did that to anyone, he would have five games. Come on, okay. you know that. You know that the league is protecting their stars players. Like, and, and because there was no impact, a Kennedy didn't get hurt, then, you know, they didn't punish it. But, and, and obviously, it's the face of the league. But when you're down 3 nothing. And it's obviously a frustrating, frustrating move that he did because he was frustrated. The way he did that, how Kenny didn't have the puck anymore, is a blow to the head, Bob. That I would have given at least one game for it. And what McKinnon did, you know, it's it's it, you're giving a precedent. Like if guys could throw a helmet on another player and you don't get punished for it, you imagine if everybody started doing that. If somebody like and at least he threw it underhand the helmet, so it wasn't an overthrown like in baseball. So you can't really say that the intent was to hurt. But my God, the league has to stop standard when you want to punish guys. It has to be the same for everyone. You can't look at the numbers and say, "Oh, well, this is what we'd expect from this player to do that. We're gonna punish him." But a star player does whatever they want, right? This is wrong. See, and I would, I would say that Connor's elbow started in the sort of chest shoulder area, and it flicked up and got a piece of him. He kind of, I thought Cockney kind of sold it. The point I'm making is when you played, like just before you got in the league, Pavel Bure elbowed Shane Sherla. Okay, it's called the mother of all elbows. He skated it because Sherla went and hit Burry from behind after Burry was already knocked to the ice. So Sherla went back into the other end of the ice, and Pavel Burry hunted him down, skated as fast as he could, leapt in the air, and elbowed Shane Sherla right in the face at about, you know, and Pavel Burry was the fastest, like he got all of them. And Brian, and I know it was 25 years ago. I actually, George, I'll be honest. I kind of love, I, I like the fact that Pavel stuck up for himself. I admired that about Pavel, right? Like sometimes those guys have to do that, don't they, George? They have to give themselves. Yeah, no, yeah but Bob, you're 100% right for that. And the guy that was really good at doing that was Peter Falsberg. Peter Falsberg did that all the time, like, and, and he, he had lots of room because of that, because, you know, he, get, he like, he, he, he was physical too, and he would finish guys off. Like, if he got hit, he hit a guy back. But, and, 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 and you're right that a lot of stars player back then, because hockey was more physical, they did that. But if you're saying that, Bob, to justify what Connor did, it was Kakyanemi. It wasn't Weber that is roughing him up in the corner and did that to Weber. He elbowed Kakyanemi that doesn't hurt anyone. 
that 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 doesn't hurt him when he played against them. They can't even skate with him when Connor is skating, right? So I understand what you're saying that it's important for star players to like to like like to have their respect sometimes, to have a nest to their game to show that you know what, they're not gonna take any uh, taking any liberty. But still, you got to do it within the rules because, and, 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 and you know, we all know that with his name, he could do more things than other players can. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, that's a, that's the perspective that's out there. One thing I remember about Forsberg, he'd do that reverse hit, George, where guys yeah. would come, they'd come in and he'd get lower than them and then torque up into their sternum and he knocked the breath right out of guys when he would do that. You know, you know who else did that? Rafi Torres did that all the time, too. Yes. All the time. And, and, he was, and he was good at that. And he got 40-game suspensions late in his career for doing it, too. But it helped you guys. Well, well I, actually, when he did that, when he, he almost murdered Halsa, he flew. He was, Rassi was fast. But his flying yeah. hit, like, concussed Halsa, man. That was, that was a predator hit. That was insane, man. <laughs> Rafi, when Rafi got Milan Mahalik, when you guys were playing San Jose in round two, that changed the complexion of that series because that was a yeah. really important forward for San Jose. He was in their top six, you know. I'm not even sure Mahalik got all the way back to being what he could have been as a player after that hit. Seriously. I agree. I, I agree. That changed the entire series. A hit like that, like, and, you know, talking about hit like that, how many hits like this Gator did in that series? Like, in this, in these playoffs, how many guys level, like, center ice like this, like, that's how we played, man. All of us, we had to, we had to finish our hit. If you didn't finish your hit, you wouldn't play. That, that was, that was Oilers hockey, and that's why everybody hated playing us because that's all we did. Every game we played in, in, uh, uh, Rexall, we would like the first ten minutes. We just wanted to level guys, and the energy with the building and everyone. It was like it was insane, and and the like the momentum we've had because that it was. Something that I'll never forget. You know, you're talking about the best memories, Bob. One of my best memories outside of the hat trick is during the playoffs, before the home game, where we're sitting in the dressing room and and um, we'd hear the Jumbotron, like uh, Don Matt production, Aquila. They were yep. putting those videos to get the crowd pumping. And then the noise that the crowd would do when they were screaming, the dressing room, but it's all in like concrete, it was shaking. We had like we had shivers. We our eyes were like demons. We were like we had wings. We were like we felt like we were hawk. We were invincible. And all we were talking about is going out there and to kill someone with body check. Like to out hit everyone. Like to hit everything that moved. It was um, that energy that the fans give us in those home games and those other teams that you know I'm pretty sure the the coach were like. You guys just have to weather the storm for the first 10 minutes. And yeah. then it was unbelievable. And, you know, now the way that Rogers Place is built, the sound is not the same. Right. Because, it's not as compressed. Know, it's, it's not as compressed yeah, of a building. Exactly. But in Rexall, you like, fans, I remember they had a headache after the game because the noise was so loud. It was like a workout when you were a fan back then in the stands when you were screaming and stuff. They had a, they were working. They, they were probably spending as much calories as we were cheering for us back in those days as when we were playing because, man, it was unbelievable energy. George, we're running up against the clock. Thank you for your time. We'll hook up next week, okay? Anytime, brother. All right, that is George LaRock. 
Edmonton sporting icon, Montreal-based media personality. He says McDavid should have gotten a one-game suspension and figures Cassian would have gotten five games for the same thing. Now, we should mention Zach is a repeat offender. Some would suggest you the fine. Once you start accumulating, Connor's had a two-game suspension and a fine. It's a way of sending a message to a respective player. Some people might tell you that. All right, here we go. We are going to head into this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. Here's Brendan Escott. We'll go back to 2000 when Ryan Smith scored twice and Bill Guerin notched a goal and an assist. The Oilers knocked off the Phoenix Coyotes 4-3 in overtime. Tom Pody beat Sean Burke 3-0-7 into the extra frame. There you have it. All right, again, tomorrow we got a jam-packed show coming up for you. Elliot Friedman for NHL Hockey and Rogers for the River Cree Resort Casino. Mark Spector, Sportsnet spec for the horses and horse racing alberta dylan gunther could be the number one overall pick in the 2021 nhl entry draft certainly going to be in the top five i know that uh uh just recently the athletic ended up moving him into the top spot uh one of their writers uh for the upcoming nhl entry draft and puckpedia hart levine uh uh, Hart Levine will uh, join us as well. Reid Wilkins has Inside Sports Night coming up from 6 to 8. Cam Moon will be amongst his guests on to know uh, into uh, tonight's show. So stay tuned for that. In fact, Reid's going to pull a little bit of double duty. We should mention that right now that uh, Reid Wilkins uh, will have the back half uh, as Rob Breckenridge is in for Jayla and I this afternoon from 2 to 4. And then Reed Wilkins takes over the back half of 6.30 Chet Afternoons from 4 to 6 tonight before Reed has inside sports. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for all of your uh, comments, uh, positive, negative, constructive, wherever and however you see things. And uh, let's have a terrific Thursday, everybody. Up next, the global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by a simulcast of Rob Breckenridge show out of CHQR 77 in Calgary. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.